Well, I would like to say welcome to everyone, especially welcome to anyone who's joining us online. In fact, can we give a round of applause to anyone that's joining us online? Come on. For those that are watching in, thank you. From all over the world, you are most welcome. We're in the middle of a series called The Blessed Life. We had a little bit of a, um, a break last week with Mark Ritchie. Wasn't Mark Ritchie fantastic? Love Mark. And then the week before, we had Compassion. We now are sponsoring over 200 children in Kenya and beyond, which is amazing. And we had, before that, Tom Lane, guest speaker, who was carrying on this series for us, The Blessed Life. And let me remind you, in essence, this series about The Blessed Life, based on Robert Morris's teaching from the USA, is essentially saying this. It's the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. We are blessed to be a blessing. I've put in your version notes, lots of verses today, more verses than we could put on the screen. And the first verse I put in there is Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3. It says this, God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the book of Romans 4 verse 16 tells us this, that we are those who are through faith the children of Abraham. It's not just natural, but it's spiritual. And so we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And we've emphasized it's not about giving to get. We don't teach that here. We teach that it's you get to give. You have the privilege, the honor, the responsibility to get to give. And I said right at the start, and I'll say it again, without fear or favor of men, this is essential for discipleship. We must teach on this. And our heart genuinely is a heart for you, not to get stuff from you, so that you may live with a blessing. And so today I want to speak about this, the principle of the first. The principle of the first. Those of you that have been around for the last few months, we did a series as a Bible overview. And the last book in the Bible, which fell to me, well, I gave it to myself, was the book of Revelation. And if you remember, when we looked at the book of Revelation, we started by looking at the letters to the churches that were direct from Jesus. Jesus sent a letter. Jesus is interested in the local church. And I pointed out how Jesus, the way those seven letters go is, there's usually an encouragement. This is what you're doing well. Keep going. And then with pinpoint accuracy, as you'd expect Jesus would, he identifies in each local church what is an issue for that church. And one of the churches is the church in Ephesus. And after commending them concerning their patience, their endurance, their intolerance of evil, their suffering for Christ's name, the way they expose false apostles, Jesus encourages them. But then he confronts them. And this is what he confronts them with, because this is a big deal. Listen to this. This is Revelation 2, verse 4. It should come on your screen, I think, or verse 2 to 5. It says this. You have persevered and enjoyed hardships in my name. Hip, hip. You've not grown weary. Well done. Yet, I hold this against you. 
You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. One version says this, I have this against you. You have lost your first love. You've lost your first love. And the consequence that Jesus said of them losing their first love was this. He was going to remove the lampstand. And what, what does that mean? Essentially, it means his presence, the light. The warning was, unless you get your priority first of love to me, you might do all the things you're going to do. You might still sing the songs. You might still attend the services. You might still say, hey, we're into orthodoxy, and this is, all, this is all what we believe. But if you lose your love, it's all about love, isn't it? It's all about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. If you lose your first love, first love, the light will go out. Last year, or well, 14, 15 months ago now, some of you know, my, my mum went into a nursing home. And as a family, we decided that was the point to sell the family home. So the home we'd all grown up in, the, the home where I have so many memories, good memories. It's the first place I think I ever kissed my wife was in my mum and dad's house. Not with them watching, but in another room. <laughs> so many positive memories. And so we said we wanted to go there after my mum had gone into the home just to, just to be in the house. And honestly, I thought it would affect me more than it did. It did affect me, it really did affect me, but it didn't devastate me in the way that I thought it would. And I pondered on that and I wondered why. And you know why it didn't affect me in the same way, I think? Because there was no presence there. My mum wasn't there. The reason it was a home, it was just bricks and mortar, the reason it was a home was because of the love we had as a family. And without my mum and dad there and my brothers and sisters, it didn't feel the same. Oh, I was sad. I'm not, I'm not trying to be super harsh here and say, hey, it was easy. No, no. But it didn't devastate because the light had gone out. The light of family. And the promise that Jesus has says to us is that he will walk with us. He will be with us if we keep our first love for him. If we don't, we might go through the routine, but the light goes out. I want to tell you, I've been a pastor now for 173 years. And I became a pastor for two reasons. Number one, I loved Jesus. That's what motivates me. That's what got me up in the morning, my love for Jesus. And number two, I love people. When I started out, it was actually 1985 when we went to Bible college. I knew nothing about systems or processes or hiring or much about the Bible. I thought I did. I've been raised in a Christian home. I realize that the longer, in fact, I'm sorry to tell you, the longer I've been going, the, more, the less I feel I know. But I, I didn't know much at all. I didn't know what was going to face me. I didn't know the issues we're going to have with people. I knew, I knew very little. I was just 
wet behind the ears, wherever that phrase comes from. But I knew this. I love Jesus and I love people. And I'd love to say to you over these last 173 years that that's never gone out. Everything conspires against me for that to go out. Everything. But I've got to keep it front and central. I love Jesus. And I still love people. Do you? Bob Goff has written a beautiful book which is just called Love Does. And this is what Jesus says to the church here in Ephesus. He says, you need to repent, change your mind. You need to return and do the things that you did at first. Do the things that love does. We always say that to married couples that are in crisis or problem. Do the things that love does. Because if you do the things that love does, the feeling, which is good and important, comes back with the actions. Hello? So if you don't feel like I, 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 do the stuff that love does. And watch how with the attention that you give, with the gifts that you give, love will reignite itself as a feeling. Because love isn't just a feeling, but it's nice to have the feeling. Do we agree? Amen. I honestly believe this, that if God is first in your life, everything will come into order. Everything. If God is not first, then nothing will come into order. And I could show you scripture after scripture. I'm going to go to one particular action that love does because of the series that we're in. But we could go to verses like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's that about? First love. I could take you to the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20, which simply says this, out of which all the other commandments flow. You shall have no other God before me. Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. You know them? First commandment, it's first love. You shall have no other God before me. It's all about the first. But we reveal our first love and our priority in the actions that we do. You can see if I love my wife by how I treat her. True? I hope you know I love her. I do love you. I love you. And I hope it follows with my actions. So we're going to look and focus the rest of our time in this regard in relation to our financial resources. Why? Because like we've said in last week's, ultimately your heart will follow where your treasure is. So if you prioritize the giving of your treasure first to God, your heart will follow so he is your first love. I believe that with all my heart. I'm going to read to you a passage from Exodus chapter 13. As I read this, it's a little bit of a strange passage to read, but every time I mention first or firstborn, I'm just going to pause for a second while you repeat it. So if I just say, God said give the first, you say first. Or if I say firstborn, you say all of you. Just to emphasize how often it's said, this is Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. And I'm going to drop down to verse 11. 
After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised an oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn. Come on from the back as well. All the firstborn. Males. No, you don't need to repeat males. Of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. And if, you are, and if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. In days to come when your sons ask you, what does this mean? Say to him with a mighty hand, the right hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every room and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol to your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Now the reason I did that, no need to repeat it again if I mention first or firstborn. Okay, let's establish that. reason I did that was to show you God seemingly has something for the first and the firstborn, doesn't he? He seems to have an issue. This is what he says, verse 1, I read it. Consecrate all the firstborn. That means the word consecrate simply means to set apart. Or more perfectly, and this is the way the ESV puts it in the standard version, make holy by giving to God. Holiness and giving are related. You can't be holy without giving. Giving the first. Why are they set apart? The Bible answers it. They're set apart because they are mine. They belong to me. Now this isn't saying that's all I own. God's not saying, and the first is mine but nothing else is. No, the sum total belongs to God. So the firstborn is meant as an indicative sign. Everything belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Beautiful. We used to sing songs like that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The fields and the mountains, the cattle on a thousand hills, all belongs to him. So we must never teach generosity outside of the context of stewardship. Generosity and stewardship are linked together. And stewardship begins with an understanding everything belongs to God. Last Sunday, a young man came to me. And he said to me, I'm going to be one of those that give £10,000 into the vision offering. How should I do it? Well, first of all, I was shocked because, I don't know why I'm shocked, because you never know who's got money. You, millionaires could be sitting in this room and, and you could look, I could be looking at you right now and you don't look like a millionaire. It's nothing to do with what you look like. Not, nothing at all. So this young man, I've, I've, I want to give the first, I'm going to give 10,000. I said to him, I shouldn't have asked this question, but I was concerned for him. I knew, I knew him. I know him. How can you afford to do that? Like, that's any of my business. And he says to me, told me, I'm not going to tell you how he could afford to do that. And I was quite overcome. And I said to him, I want to thank you. I want to pray for you. I said, that's a, I know what's coming up in your life. And that is an incredible sacrifice. Incredible. I know what that could do for you in this next phase of your life. Do you know what he said to me? As if I 
looked at me and he just said, Steve, none of it's mine. None of it's mine. That was a nice silent clap, Simon. Thank you. None of it's mine. And I thought, I know. I preach it. <laughs> I've just got to remember to believe it. None of it's mine. We don't own anything. It's all his. We are stewards. You say, well, I, I, I earn my money. Who gave you the ability to produce that wealth? God. Who gave you the intellect? God. Who gave you the skills that are in your hand? God. It, we're stewards. The earth is the Lord's. When the early revel, that, that church, the Revelation, says they must remember where they have, what they've done before, one of the things I think we need just constantly remember, I need to constantly remember, is God owns everything. Everything we have has been given to us from God. And they are assets that have been given to us to advance his kingdom because that's all that really matters. You say, well, I've got to help my children. That's, that's kingdom. If you're raising your children in the fear of God, that's a discipleship issue. It's kingdom. Don't ever think, I'll do that and then I go and do kingdom stuff. That's kingdom. So every resource we have is to help advance the kingdom of God. Verse 13 and 12, 13 states the same in that Exodus passage. States the same as we said at the beginning about consecrating the first, the firstborn. But it starts to get a little bit more specific. It says this. Give every firstborn donkey or you shall redeem it with a lamb. Every firstborn male child or a human being you shall redeem with a lamb. You see, they're going to lose it anyway. But they may as well give it rather than lose it. And this is the first principle I want to show us here. And look at the principle behind this. What this passage reveals is this. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, this is under the law, we know. But we want to get the principle that's behind it. The firstborn or the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. And I can imagine the Israelites... This is why God's specific with them, asking, well, well, well what, which is which? How do we know which to do? Which is unclean, which is clean? Now, we're not going to go into that today, but God was very specific. If it's unclean, it's the firstborn, it needs redeeming. If it's clean, you can sacrifice it for the unclean. You with me? Stick with me on this. So the donkey was classed as an unclean animal. And the donkey, God bless the donkey, because it was unclean and firstborn, you had to break its neck or redeem it with a lamb. Because the lamb was clean. You got this? Donkeys are unclean. Lambs are clean. Kill the donkey and break its neck or redeem it with a lamb. The clean is sacrificed but the unclean needs to be redeemed and bought back with a clean animal. What's this telling us? What's this telling us about a donkey? Well, I hope none of you are offended today. But I'm going to say it straight. You're all donkeys. I'm a donkey. You're a donkey. He's a donkey. She's a donkey. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a donkey. <laughs> okay. What do I mean by that? Psalm 51. I was born in sin, 
Let's read it here. It's in your, in your uh, new version notes. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. This is why, by the way, we believe the life is in the womb. It's a child. It's a human being. Born in sin since my mother conceived me. There is a bent in every single person that's born to sin. Parents, you know this. Do you need to train your children to be naughty? Do we ever have seminars? This is how to be naughty. This is what you do. This is how to be possessive. Because one of the first words they learn is mine. <laughs> My precious. Our grandson, he, hasn't, he doesn't say mine. One of his first words is more. I think it's quite similar. More mind. We're always wanting more. We're always wanting to own stuff. It belongs. We don't have to train our children to be naughty. We were all born in sin. So we're all born like donkeys. We're unclean. So what we deserved is broken necks. We should be assigned to the land of the broken necks because we're unclean. But thank God there is a redeemer. Remember John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus walking towards him, he said to him, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So someone came, a Redeemer, who was suitable for sacrifice, so as that the unclean donkeys didn't have to have their necks broken, but they could be redeemed. Hip, hip. This is the verse. Look at this verse. Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sin, still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin. There was no sin in Jesus. There is no other man that's ever lived on the face of this earth. And I use the word carefully, no other man who had no sin. But he had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that when God looks at us, he sees us through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Jesus was God's firstborn. You know this verse so well. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. There is only one Jesus Christ. You and I are sons and daughters by faith, adopted into the family. So with adoption, you have the same rights and privileges as the only begotten son. But there is only one Jesus Christ. Hello? We should look happier than this. You really should because you're the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay. You're redeemed. What, what's the redeemed meant to say? Say so. That doesn't mean you're supposed to say so. You're supposed to say, I'm redeemed. Come on, let's give our God a round of applause. Because he has redeemed us. And Jesus was the first. Robert Morris says it in this way. Jesus was God's first fruits. Jesus, here's the word, was God's tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. Because the tithe, my friends, is not what you have left over. The tithe is your first fruit, which is an indication of who you love first. 
And none of you will ever say, and none of you watching, oh, Jesus is second in my life. He's the second place. We know he can't be the second place because he's preeminent. But many of us with our finances will neglect to put him first. And I think God is saying to us, do what you did at first and give of your first. Second point is this, just what I've said. The first fruits must be offered to God. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says this, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Exodus 23, I said there was a lot of scriptures, says this, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. The first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. The best. Now, I honestly do believe that the people of God is the house of God. We are the household of God. This building isn't the house of God. We are the house of God. This building, however, houses the house of God. And we, as one church, and that includes Bury St. Edmund's, one church, we give first to God into the house of God so that there may be food on the table that we may do all we're meant to do. And it doesn't say give, actually, and I'm working hard on this one. Help me, Jesus. It says bring. Bring your tithe. I forever, when I've taken up an offering, say, come on, let's all give. We're going to give or take an offering. And Tom Lane pointed out to us, the Bible doesn't say that. It says bring, not, not take. We're not trying to take anything from you. You're just bringing what is God's. You can only bring what he has given you. What about this? In first battle, first battle when the children of Israel came into the land was Jericho. And God said to them, this is in your notes, bring, bring everything from Jericho into my house. All the silver and gold. Everything. Why everything? Because this was the first battleground. This was the first place where there was a battle. After this, it was 10%. But the first place, they were to give everything into the house of God. I've been reading, again, this account here. And I want you to particularly catch this from Genesis 4. This is Cain and Abel when they bring their offering. It says this, Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So there's Cain and Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil, some of the fruit of the soil, as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Why are you downcast, the Lord said to him. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You see, this is the way it went. Cain brought some of his stuff, the way it's written even, when he thought about it. Abel brought the first of the, of the fatted calves, of the best, and gave it to God. Been a pastor a long time. This is what many people have said to me. Don't, don't feel guilty for this if you've said it. But do feel convicted if the Holy Spirit works in you sufficiently. Pastor, 
I give as I feel led. Hmm. Pastor, I don't have a conviction. You don't need a conviction. You need a Bible. You've got a word from God. Bring your first fruits. Go back to the way I treat my wife. I never say to you, I love you when I feel led. Never say to my children, I'll feel you when I feel convicted. No, you just do it. Because <laughs> you love and you prioritize. See, ultimately, there are some things that God can't do. God can't lie. It's outside his character. And God can't change. He's immutable. He doesn't change. It's not that he wouldn't accept Cain's offering. He couldn't. Because it wasn't the first. Oh, don't stop giving if you give a little here and there. But can I encourage you? Tithe and giving to God always involves faith. It'll not, you say, oh, I'll get to a point where I don't need, you always need faith. We gave an offering today to the vision offering. We've needed more faith for this vision offering than we've done in the last eight, nine years. Honestly, can we give that a level because of some stuff that's going on? It takes faith. So you sow it in faith. So finally, just to say this, the tithe must be first. Leviticus 27 verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. All the tithe belongs to Him. Say this is my earnings from this week. Hundred pounds. I've got a lot of outgoings. Let's uh, say this is my mortgage company. There we go. HSBC. Bless you. Uh, got a lot going on. This is my, uh, who should you be? You, you can be my family because they're expensive. There we go. There's something for my family. Meals out, birthdays, anniversaries. Just never stops, does it? So this is all my earnings this week, £100. I'd like to give you... Oh, I won't give you all that. I'll just give you a fiver. You're my barber. <laughs> Come over here. Oh, what else goes out? Oh, my car. My... Actually, I haven't got any car payments now, so it's just the maintenance of it. That's my... Uh, what else do we need to live? Oh, the gym. The, right. Food. I forgot about food. You can be food. Got £15 left. Oh, gas and electric. There we go, gas and electric. Anything else we need for life and godliness? The gym. Okay, this could be the gym because my wife's telling me to stop paying for it and use the one that's in the garage. So... I've got a fiver left. It's all that's left. I haven't given anything to the church this week. There you are, you can have a fiver. Oh, actually, I've just remembered. I haven't saved, and it's a really good idea to save. So I'm going to save. Sorry, church. Sorry, God. You got nothing. Because I gave you what's left over. Can I just ask you? We could read Amos and we could read it very clearly. 
It's not that God won't accept. He can't accept your leftovers. He says to the children of Israel, your services are noisy. The cacophony of sound. Why? Because it's hollow. Because all you're doing is bringing me the gammy-eyed lamb that no one wanted or the three-legged oxen that no one wanted. Will you give me the first? Will you give me the first? Because this is the miracle. We haven't got time to do this. If I could get it back. I need it all back because I've got three services to do today. So I need it all. I'll just count this. Is Pete McCallan giving me his? Yeah, oh, okay. Thank you. Just, just checking. I honestly believe if we just, what's the tithe? It's the first. It's the first. And if we give the first, God will give us wisdom of how to deal with the other 90 and even not just give us wisdom, but give us miracle that the 90 goes further. You see, just hear this. The wisdom could be, Barbara, I'm going to do my own haircut. Because I can. So I don't need to go to the barbers. It's just an example that might work for me. Or it could be that I can do some of my own jobs. Or it could be that through a miracle of provision, you put a bet on South Africa winning, <laughs> winning the World Cup, and it comes back pressed down, shaken together, running over. No, I'm not encouraging betting. That was a joke. That was a joke. But in some way, God miraculously provides with a fish that has a coin in the mouth or a tax rebate or an overtime or something that God does because that's the kind of God he is. Our job is to put him first. Will you put him first? Just bow your heads. Close your eyes. I'm not going to ask for any appeal on this. I'm just going to say it to you. Will you put him first with your finance? You will never be worse off. This is faith. This is miracle. And I also want to say this. We won't condemn anyone who doesn't. It's your faith journey. It's not a condemnation message. It's full of grace but and truth that God wants our first. Holy Spirit, work in everyone's heart as only you can. And take these stumbling words and make them life to us. For we live for your kingdom. Help us to seek first your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.